the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour, talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt. We're going to talk about that. Some records that we're breaking, and not very many of them are good, so we want to be careful there. Uh, you know, planning for your future. What does retirement look like? Uh, listen, 27 plus years doing this, I guess 1996, four, yeah, 27 and a half years now doing the financial professional thing, trying to figure out what is it going to take to help people manage their financial life. Okay, so here's what I've figured out. Here's what I've come up with. A few things. Number one is purpose. You've heard me mention that probably till I'm blue in the face. But it's also staying busy, staying productive, self-worth. You know, one of the things my dad shared with me, uh, he'd probably been retired. He retired at 70. And uh, he's probably two years after retirement. Shows up at my office and, you know, he would show up and say hi every once in a while. And, and I'm in between clients. Some of you are, are, are amazing. You've, you've allowed me to go out and say hello to him because I could see him underneath the little glass uh, partitions that we have. And I said, oh, hey, what's going on? I remember one day he came in and I wasn't with anybody. And he said, you know, I really regret retiring. It was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. I was kind of shocked. I thought, wait a second, this is my business. What do you mean? He said, well, all of my friends are either working or they've passed away or they've moved away. Everybody that I care about, you guys are all busy. And so I thought about that. And that was probably 15 years ago. And I said, I'm going to change my message to people to make sure you understand that staying busy in retirement and not sitting down and watching TV or instead of smoking two cigarettes a, a day or whatever you would have done while you were working, right? Because you can't smoke at your desk. You smoke a pack because there's no limitations anymore. Instead of drinking a little bit Friday, Saturday night, you might drink every night of the week, which turns into, you know, noontime lunch drinking, right? Whatever bad habits we have, we set, we tend to do more of them. Watch a little TV, you'll watch a lot. Drink, you know, eat a little bit of chocolate, you'll eat a lot. Whatever your issues are financially, they're magnified with your behavior. 
So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, also, I want to discuss what's happening with the student loan deal, right? Biden forgave $70 million, and now there's more money coming. And uh, he's only doing this. And everybody knows. You see, they used to deny it. He's only doing it for one reason. What? Oh, it's called buying votes. Right? You realize if you buy votes, especially young people, they're going to continue. They're going to say, uh, hey, this is a pretty good deal. How do I, I, I make this happen? H- how do I get more of this free stuff? Right? It used to be years ago that's what you would do. You'd go out onto the streets and you'd pass out you know, $20 bills. It's what the, the mafia would do in Chicago. It's how John F. Kennedy got elected, apparently, was buying votes. Stuffing ba- uh, ballot boxes. You've heard the stories. Now they're all public. So the buying of the votes can take many different forms, including the ability to say, I'm going to you know, continue your social programs. Also, the right isn't immune to buying votes or pandering. It's just a matter of whose money are they using. The right has this big issue. Corporate welfare... Oh, big corporations. What they don't understand is big corporations, uh, by, by a huge percentage, by the way, supports who? The left wing. The left wing of American politics is supported by the large institutions. So there aren't necessarily this whole, uh, I, I guess, level of corporations against the little guy. Maybe it used to be that way. But it hasn't for a long time. So a couple of things that I want to get in with you, because I think you need to, to realize that the buying of the bo- votes and the changing of the, of the landscape happens by, well, right now, climate change. That's the, the new thing. That's the, the way to go after people. That's the thing to do to change the landscape by shifting money around. And I want you to stand up. Stand up and have that conversation. I saw a receipt recently of somebody who had a GM, I think it was the Chevy Bolt, uh, the battery, one of the GM products, I think that's what it was, had it replaced. And, and the car in a normal world was worth maybe twelve dollars or $14,000. It was an older car. And, you know, listen, if you're putting around town, you're putt, 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 get an electric car. That, that's fine. But you're not going to drive across the country or trust yourself to the heat of the desert towing a boat or having four kids and you and your wife loaded up to to go to see grandma's house for the holidays in in the ice cold weather, right? Really cold weather. What does that do to the battery life? Trying to get up over the grapevine, right? The technology isn't there and yet they're forcing it on us. So, so what do I, what happens with the Chevy Bolt needs a new battery? $27,000 just for the battery replacement on a car that's not worth more than 15000 Does that even make sense? Right? Would you keep the car or would you just total the car? Give it away, maybe. Pay somebody to take it. So this whole battery technology, this whole Green New Deal is a shifting of money from your pocket. You've worked your whole life. You've saved. You've done what you were supposed to do. Sacrificed. Paid for your own child's college and or student loans that you had to take out. You're, many of you are responsible for that, against my advice, but you did it. That's, that's your prerogative, right? I don't think Parent PLUS loans 
or something you should be taking out. I think parents should say you go to a community college, you, you do your part, get one, two, three, four years under your belt trying to figure out what you want to do, ch- change majors, etc. Because what's happening is the people with the money, which is not the students, by the way, or the 20s or even the 30-year-olds, the people with the money are the 50s, 60s, and 70-year-olds and beyond. You guys are the ones that they're targeting. You guys are the ones that they're coming after. And when they're coming after you, they're coming after you financially. And they hide it. Oh, it's, uh, uh, it's for the children. I love it. Uh, please pass measure one, proposition 75. Why? Because it's clean water. Don't you want clean water? Uh, and and people go yeah well well of course I want f-. well you understand that if it's all about clean water on the national stage this bill is going to you realize that must Bill Clinton must have wanted dirty water or or Barack Obama so if the left wing is about today we need clean water what the heck were those guys doing they lied to us and said that 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 other bill they passed was about clean water or clean air or was it there but now it's different. Now it's it, it's about clean water. Before it didn't matter. Or, or it just got dirty. Water just got dirty last week. We need this. It's for the children, for old people, for children and old people and clean water, clean air. People vote for it. Because the depth of ignorance about American politics. So what's one of the latest? Why am I setting you up for this? This is a report, August 25th, 2023. It's been reported. Here it is. A new study found that a vast majority of so-called eco-friendly paper straws contain more toxins and, quote, forever chemicals than plastic straws. (laughs) Have you, did, did we discuss this before? Oh, yes, we have. You see, a straw, whether it's made of plastic or paper is a volume item, meaning a package of straws that are made of plastic or paper, or for that matter, glass or, or, or ceramic. A group of straws have the same volume, the same size, the same shape. So when you put them in a big truck and you ship them or a container and you ship them, it's going to take the same, you have to send what? Two or three trucks. Because while you and I are sipping on our soda and we're drinking from that paper straw, it goes away. It, it melts and you need a new one, right? Can I have another straw, please? Oh, sure. Here we go. And what do food, food servers do now? You guys put two or three of them on the, on the table because you know that over the course of a meal, I'm going to go through one or two of those. So that means twice the amount or three times the amount of big rig trucks, diesel trucks, forklifts tires on the road, damage to the to the asphalt, all three, four times, two or three times that has to be done for the same single straw that I'm using. You realize that? That's important you understand that. Because if it's about, oh, the environment, you just put twice the amount of diesel trucks on the road. Traffic, accidents, Twice the amount. Oh, well, that's okay, but now it's about chemicals. 
forever chemicals, things that end up in landfills that never go away. 39 brands of straws available in European stores now have been determined to have this synthetic chemical known as poly and perf I'm not good PFS. I'm going I'm not going to uh to challenge my science daughter. Right? My daughter can can pronounce all these things. I just don't get it. But do you see the difference, right? Symbolism over substance. Let's look like we're making a difference. Let's not make a difference. So now you have twice the amount of vehicles on the road, which means twice the gas and twice the cost for you. Look, oh, Eric, that is that is such a small little symbol. No problem. Let's continue with symbolism over substance because I think this makes a difference if you are interested in trying to actually be better. Well, let's take a look. There's another one I love this one. When we are looking at our experts, the Biden administration, remember I have told you it is not about the Biden administration. It's not about the top one or two people that are appointed that go on to get jobs at Stanford or Harvard or speak at some adjunct professor job in Texas. No, no, no. It's not those people. It's the third and fourth and fifth tier civil servants in these organizations that think they deserve. That's right. They think they deserve a take-home car. They think they deserve a gas card or an expense card. Even though you have to drive to your job, even though you have to go and, and, and spend your own money, teachers have to spend their own money, but no, not government officials in the top tiers of these agencies. And I'm talking about city and county. Take a look at how many Department of Water and Power or City of Los Angeles or County of Los Angeles cars are at your favorite breakfast spot. Go at six, five, six, seven o'clock in the morning and look at the cars in the driveway and the trucks. Wait, is that a water and power truck? What is that doing in Denny's parking lot? Huh, that'd be nice if, if I could go get somebody else's vehicle and use their gas and take time while I'm supposed to be getting paid and go have breakfast because you know I'm going to get a lunch break too. Huh. Well, maybe that's is that what we, we expect? That's the corruption we expect? Because you realize you're paying for it. The Department of Water and Power is one of the, the highest paid in the nation and one of the most useless paying organizations in the nation. Challenge me on it. I don't mind. I'll bring in receipts. But for the moment, I want to jump over to FEMA. Remember I told you it's the second and third and fourth and fifth tier. It's the forever executives that do 25, 35, 40 years in these agencies. Federal Emergency Management Agency officials are staying at expensive luxury hotels in Maui, located on the other side of the island. $1,000 a night. Maui hotels on the other side of the island. Taxpayers are footing the bill and they're paying $1,000 dollars a night. Let me ask you, do you think they're ordering room service? Uh, yes. Do I think that a congressional inquiry should ask for all of the receipts with the names associated and all of these silly rules? Oh, well, you know, I get to pay this and I, and I pay for that. Listen, you have to buy dinner anyway. Why are we paying for your dinner? 
the $5 billion in damages with those wildfires, well, the insult added to injury, all of the lives that have been lost, and FEMA is staying at a $1,000 a night hotel. Ready for this? I don't know how many of them are staying there at that price, but I can tell you this. There's nearly 900 FEMA workers. All right, get out there, guys. Dig in. Work hard. You're being paid for it. You're going to receive an amazing pension. You have an amazing retirement plan. You get amazing health care benefits. I understand you're away from your family. It's the job you chose. Just like the truck driver. Why don't we give the same benefits to the truck driver who's away from his family? Or the salesman who has to run across the country and, and, and take care of farm equipment. Why, why don't we take care of that person? FEMA's slow response to the disaster has received widespread criticism. The widespread criticism, yeah, reported by The Blaze, Glenn Beck's old, uh, uh, well, he was uh, Fox's old guy, right? Remember him? CNN, then Fox. Then he went out and started on his own. Not a bad news source. Certainly a lot more down the uh, the fair road, if you will. Again, a, uh, not a fan of the word, but down that road compared to the Fox News stories. I share this with you because you need to understand that the, the biggest push against your retirement is going to be taxes. It is not going to be anything to do with you know, your, your everyday spending. In other words, you, you think of it like this. You go to buy groceries. What's the layer of gasoline tax and sales tax and workers comp tax and on and on that's added to the price of that grocery? What's the cost? And is it something that you have available to say, I, I can't wait to spend an extra 30% at the grocery store? Look around the Biden administration, the Gavin Newsom administration, when it's $5.50 for a gallon of diesel gas, the amount of regulatory stuff they put on it, taxes that they put on it, they are blaming Putin. Why? Because their objective is to still hurt you. The left wing, the Democrat Party, is not designed to help you. They're just not. Maybe they used to be. But once the, the rich kids got involved and the guilt, the depth of guilt, because you realize that's part of it. When you're successful and you're not successful because you've worked hard physically, right? But you're successful because you inherited it. You're successful because you happen to figure out something. And it wasn't that you were super smart. You just figured it out. And this thing called Facebook comes along. So there's a depth of guilt when your business, when your machine runs past the efforts of you, and it's this forever machine that never goes away. How often do you hear of the Yahoo search engine or Bing? Well, I don't know about you, but I rarely ever hear about it. Try, try searching for something in those same, right? Search for it in all three. See what happens. Google, Yahoo, Bing. See if the organizations like Facebook and Google, see, see if they start twisting 
the directions. You see, just like Elon Musk bought Twitter, I talked to Dennis Prager once and I said he was very upset about Google, rightfully so, the way they've uh, pushed Prager University off to the side. Really have gone through and said, I'm not going to have Prager University be anything uh, other than what it is, which is an organization that uh, pr- promotes the tr- And you're now what do you do? You're stuck. So you have Prager University run along the organizations. They start trying to to get their word out, and Google silences them. All right, well, what about Yahoo? What about Bing? Are they doing the same thing? So I brought, came to Dennis, and I said, why don't we go out and put together a group of people to buy Yahoo search engine and make it a fair, make it a decent, make it an organization that is not about this uh, algorithm that Google tries to push? That was a big deal. And he said, look, the, the bottom line is that we have to correct Google. So maybe that's the answer. Maybe the lawsuits will come. But when Google announced years ago, you remember this? We're going to take every written word in the history of mankind, and we're going to go and find that particular written word, whether it's in Alexandria, Egypt, whether it's in Rome, wherever it is, and we're going to take that written word and we're going to digitize it. So every written word in the history of mankind, old ancient transcripts that Arif would never see because I'm not going to go to to China, these museums in the middle. How can I go there? I don't even understand it. And he said, and we're going to turn that written word into a translation so you can understand Greek and Hebrew. You can understand Chinese and ancient English writings. Wow. I was real. I was all for that. That might have been 15 or 20 years ago. I pushed that. I said, that's a great idea. Google, I can't wait. Covered it on my show. And something that never occurred to me, and maybe smarter people than I actually had occurred to, but it didn't occur to me, was that Google would take that same information and now hide it. You see, instead of you being able to go find that information at the public library, Google says, no, no, you guys, it's good. I got it. So they take the data, they put it in, and then they bury all the written works they don't want to see, or they slightly quietly twist a translation. Because you know that they do that. I don't know if you know that, but this is a surprise. Some of the translations that they do not like, they twist and change. What? Google? Nah. Yes, they do. Ask anybody that speaks the native language and they will say, well, what the guy means is this because look at the context. And then you look at the translation and it says something completely different. You see, when you look at the power given, it doesn't matter how much money you make. When you can't access things, you're stuck. So, what takes place? Well, FEMA runs along and says, we're going to charge a thousand dollars a night. I don't, I don't know if I've ever stayed in Hawaii at a thousand dollars a night. I, I, I'm quite sure that probably has never happened. So I don't know what hotels they are staying in. I've stayed in some nice hotels there in Kanapali for my anniversary, for my honeymoon one time. They were nice, but I know they weren't the most expensive hotels on the island. So what happens? Well, the Biden administration isn't going to complain because they're all a bunch of people that feel they are entitled because they are smarter than you. 
they're entitled to take your money. They're entitled, just like water and power in the city of Los Angeles, the county uh, of L.A., the, the county of Ventura, the Orange County. They're entitled. What do they do? Many, many workers, not all of them. You guys know who you are. You're good people, some of you. Are, you, you, don't, you know you're responsible for the taxpayer dollars. And then there are others that so, slowly seep their way into this entitlement, and they say, well, of course, I'm going to stop and get breakfast on the job. Of course, I'm going to get a take-home car and use gas from the company credit card, which is really the taxpayer dollars to fill up my gas. Look and see. Watch. And as they push the solar stuff with these batteries that cost an arm and a leg to replace, as they push the straws and plastic bags as an arm and a leg to replace, I'd like to see the studies that drive me down the story that say how many people are getting diseases from the, the canvas bags that you use at the grocery stores. Because you realize if a little bit of juice from your, from your chicken or your beef settles in the bottom of your bag or, or a leaf from one of your vegetables drops off and it starts to decay. I'm sorry for your breakfast meal or your lunch. But it starts to decay. Do you realize those canvas bags can be a, a, a host for bacteria and sometimes some really bad mold and bacteria infection. <clears throat> you say, well, Arif, it's a canvas bag. It's washable. Oh, so you're saying it's okay to use more water then. I thought we were trying to save water. So are we trying to save water? Trying to use water. Because if you wash that canvas bag two or three times a week because you're going to go shopping with it, then you're using water, aren't you? I thought it was about the water or the electricity. No, no, no. Oh, it's about the environment. For the children. I get it. All right, stay with me after the break. I've got more for you, and it's for the children, it's for old people. The Total Financial Hour, 888 retire. <laughs> stay with me. We'll come right back. Amy, it's 70, the answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Hey, meet 70 the answer. Let me give you my phone number. It's 888 997 3847. I'm Arif Halabi, the host of the Total Financial Hour. Triple eight, that's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven triple eight ninety nine retire. Okay, here's my concern. As we go through uh, th- this movement, right, the, the amount of people running through the system, where do most people put their retirement accounts? Well, most people put their retirement accounts in the stock market. And they do so usually through retirement accounts offered by their employer. If you work for a city or a county or a state, Yours is called a 457, also known as deferred compensation, also known as horizon, which means you worked for the county of Los Angeles. Each county, each city has their own kind of brand name, but it's all under the 457 uh, code of the IRS. Okay. 
If you work for the federal government, yours is called a thrift savings plan. So if you work for post office or the FF, uh, the FAA, uh, the post office, the FAA, maybe some military, they all have the thrift savings plan, TSP. If you work for uh, an individual company that is uh, a for-profit, it's called a 401k. And if you work for a city uh, school district, hospital, research facility, nonprofit, yours is called a 403b. Okay, so all of these are under the 400 plans. I know this is a little bit of a class. I'll, I'll uh, clean that up so it won't get too much more complicated than that. All right, it's all under the 400. The retirement plans at work mean every two weeks you are putting money in. Usually it's every two weeks. And they're taking from your paycheck. That's a very predictable and a consistent deposit buying stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, right? It leaves your paycheck. It goes into Wall Street, goes into a big bucket. Wall Street jumps up and down and takes their little fee. It's very grateful that that fee keeps coming every single month, every single week. Some of you are paid on every other Friday. Some paid every Wednesday. Some paid on the 1st and the 15th. That means Wall Street has buckets of money coming in regularly, all the time. And those dollars that keep coming in on a consistent basis are buying stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. It doesn't matter to the price of the share of the, or, or to Wall Street if it's coming in under a retirement plan or coming in under somebody who just decides to invest post-tax money. I need you to understand that, okay? Post-tax money, retirement money. It's irrelevant to the price of the stock. It pushes the stock up. If there's more buyers, the stock goes down or the stock bond mutual fund goes down if there's more sellers. Any supply and demand. So where does that come into play for you? Very simple. You see, when it comes time to cash it out, if it's under your retirement account, you have to pay ordinary income tax. That's the highest tax possible, by the way. You have to pay ordinary income tax at a rate that is way higher than somebody who bought that same stock bond mutual fund, but not in a retirement account. In fact, that person might pay no tax on the money, depending on how they took their capital gains. Okay. One gets to have nearly zero tax, maybe 15%. The other one, the highest tax bracket possible, 20, 30, maybe even 40%. So why do you think wealthy people don't put money in the market underneath their pre-tax retirement account? Because there's no benefit for delaying withdrawing the money. They have to pay the highest tax possible. That's why I'm not a proponent of retirement accounts, certainly old ones, being in the market. If it is the only option, you say, well, Eric, I'm... 40 years old, I'm putting money in the retirement account because it's the only one I get a match, etc. Well, there is a benefit called dollar cost averaging. Buying consistently, buying, 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 buying. So you're, you're reducing your overall risk because you're buying when it's high, you're buying when it's low, buying when it's high. And if you are getting a match, in other words, the company is putting money in as well, great. Yes, there's some drawbacks to being in the market with the retirement account, but if it's an existing one where you are participating and the employer is putting money in on a consistent basis, it is better than nothing. Okay? Then I'm happy. But the moment you leave, 
you may want to consider reducing your risk profile, getting money out of the market, because otherwise you're going, we're rich, we're poor, we made it, we lost it. There's no benefit to that consistent purchasing when things are high and when things are low. Here's another part that's interesting. Why is it when rich people make the rules, they said, hey, listen, when your children inherits your retirement account, they have to pay the highest tax possible. Let me repeat that. You're going to leave your retirement account to your children and you pay the highest tax possible. Well, rather they do that. That's, that's kind of a big deal guys, because if it's in a, if it's in a non-retirement account, you own the same Microsoft or XYZ mutual fund or Amazon or whatever, and you've owned it for 10 years and you bought it for $2 and it's currently worth a hundred dollars and you pass away and your kids inherit your non-retirement stock market type account, tax-free, tax-free to your children. You see, rich people make the rules. They put money in those retirement accounts or in the uh, stock bond mutual fund accounts post-tax because that means their kids do not pay any tax on that money. Interesting. You see, can you write off your fees and your losses? Let's say you have your retirement account. Again, you're not taking advantage of the buying. You just have an old retirement account. It's just sitting there. And it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Wall Street takes a fee, takes a fee, takes a fee. Broker never loses, always makes money. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you make a lot. Sometimes you lose a lot. That account, if you have a loss at the end of the year, like most people did last year, 19, 20% loss, could you deduct it on your taxes? Nope. If you have a loss inside of your retirement account, you're not allowed to write that off on your income taxes. I'm not a tax expert, so you need to speak to a CPA. I have to give you that disclaimer. Talk to your CPA, talk to your uh, tax professional, or you can go to your famous search engine. And today we're going to try Yahoo and Bing, right? I want you to do that. Go ahead and Bing it. <laughs> Instead of Googling it, Bing it and research. Do I pay taxes? Or does my, does my children pay taxes if they inherit my non-retirement stock market account? Do I, can I deduct the fees, the losses, anything? If I lose money in my retirement account by the end of the year? Nope, you can't. Tough luck. So you see, what we like to do is say, if your retirement account is in the market and you're adding, great, take advantage of all those. But if you have a few years or even a few months or even a decade before retirement, the next five to 10 years, you say, I am done working one way or the other, and I'm going to probably want to access some or all of this money, then it makes sense for you to get out of the market. Just does. There's no reason for most people to put their money at risk. We're the only one that wins, guaranteed wins, Wall Street and your broker. Well, listen, I used to do this for clients. When 2000 hit, and I was an investor for a decade, well, 14 years at that time, and a professional for four years, when 2000 hit and clients would come into my office that summer, we knew that, you know, I think it was March 15, if I'm not mistaken, 
March was the height of the market in 2000. And by that summer, we're like, this is not going to turn around anytime soon. I remember thinking, well, this is kind of yucky. I'm being paid, but my clients lost money. And so you ask your supervisors, right? 20 plus years ago, I worked for another firm, right? Just like most people, at least through your securities. You had, you had somebody that you could ask and you go, hey, you're, you're an expert. You've been doing this for a while. What do we tell the people? Just tell them that don't worry, everybody loses money sometimes. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, just tell them that you're a vice president because everybody's a vice president. But they'll think they're dealing with uh, uh, like, like a, a professional somebody high up in the organization. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. You see, everybody's a vice president. That's a subtle way. Maybe not so subtle to let you know, I'm a professional. When I lose your money, I do it right. (laughs) Okay. Who's watching my money? Because it's down. Call up the, how many times have we called up? You come into my office. We sit in the conference room. We call up the other broker because we have some questions and he's not there. Where is he? He's on vacation. Well, who's watching my money? It's my life savings. Well, uh, we'll call you back. What do you mean you'll call me back? This is my money. You see, Wall Street, your broker is supposed to have somebody available when the market is open from 6.30 a.m. Pacific time till 1 p.m. Pacific time to handle your questions and your transactions. They're supposed to. Maybe, listen, people go to the restroom, they get a lunch break, they take vacation, they're sick. Okay, well then, just like a doctor, all right, I fill in for you, you fill in for me. So no problem if you can't handle, if if Mary's on vacation, who is she working with? Does she have a partner or somebody else I can I can work with? You see, their job is not to make you money. Their job is to keep your money. And if they make you money, great. Everybody's happy. They're happy. Certainly you are. But if their job was to make you money, that's the only time they would be paid, right? Because you get paid for your job. So what's the job? Make me money. Great. Make me money. What's the job? Keep your money. Oh, you lost my money. Doesn't matter. I still have it. Still charge a fee. You see, they just wanted you to go to work. In the 70s and 80s, when these 401k plans really started taking off, and this stock market world. Because look what happened. You see, the amount of money in circulation from the 50s, I want to say it was 1955 or 57, until 1982, the market was relatively stagnant. Up, down, up, down, up. Didn't go anywhere. Same amount, very, very little change. Didn't move much. And I think Wall Street had to come up with the plan. They go, wait a second. The average everyday person, there's a lot more of them. Certainly there's not millionaires out there working, some, but most of them are middle-class people. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them we're going to create these plans. We're going to call them 401k because that's where it's found in the IRS code. It's 401 subsection K. There it is. And we're going to let them take money before they even see it. Because if they say, don't worry, I promise to send it, they're never going to send it. So we know exactly what's going to happen. And it's this, if we take it from their account, just like income tax, they're never going to see it. And it'll go directly into the stock bond mutual fund. And you know what? That will buy, buy, buy. And as that purchase occurs, 
the shares that I own are going to be pushed up in value. So they don't get to write them off any losses on their taxes. They don't get to have a favorable tax withdrawal. But as my account goes up, 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 guess what? I win. So the poor guy out there who goes to work every day, puts his head down and the next 25 years puts into their retirement account as it's pushing up the price. You see from 1982 for a while until early 90s, 1990, 91, and then it dropped and then it went back up and then it dropped and went back up. You see, as that happened, the big change in that world, simple, more money going in from your paycheck. So I just want to share with you, is there a place for just about any kind of stock bond mutual fund investment? Of course there is. You check with your financial professional, but make sure they're not in this conflict of interest, right? Say, here's my risk tolerance. I can't afford to lose more than this. I need safety. And when I say safety, Mr. and Mrs. Vice President, because remember, everybody's a vice president. You're either brand new. You work for any of these Morgan, Charlie, James, whatever. You're either brand new and you get the coffee and you're a secretary or you're a vice president. So everybody thinks they work with the... I I did. Listen, I was an investor and a trader from the age of 18 till I was 28. And I worked with the vice president. His name was Ken and he was at Morgan Stanley. That's what I did. I said, oh, this is amazing. This guy chose to work with me. It was great. And I had a small account, right? When you're new, you're you're small, you're young. I was putting money in. Oh, wow, wow. Vice president. What the heck does that mean? You can lose my money with the tie? Uh, I mean, what, what does that mean? You have nicer shoes when you call me up and say sorry? I want you guys to take control of your own money. Plenty of places to put it where you don't have to lose. Plenty of places where you put you can put it and you don't have to pay high fees. That, that exists. So keep that in mind as we as we try to find options for you. I, I think, look, taxes are going to hit you hard and losses. Those are the things that will hit the next generation of your life, financially speaking. I want to give you some, some general ideas. I think this will be fun. Spend the rest of this hour. After the top of the hour, guys, I have your emails. I have two emails. One of them I kind of touched on just now. So wait till we we get to the top of the hour. You're going to hear an email. I think that will blow your mind because it will tell you what the real issue is for many, many people. And it's probably going to impact you. But between now and the top of the hour, I want to cover something pretty important. You've heard of the term baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. Generally speaking, there's some discussion of why it's a little earlier or later, but 19. 19- 46 to 1964. That's the baby boomer generation. Now, their parents, born 1924 and earlier, right? Those those people, those parents, served in World War II, sacrificed, had the victory gardens, recycled their their nylons and and razors and steel and and rubber tires and all of those things. They sacrificed and and delayed gratification substantially. Those people had more kids than they did, than their generation. That's why the baby boomers were 70 plus million, 72, 77 million plus. But they came from about 24 million parents. So there were, you know it, if you're a baby boomer, most of you had six, seven 
siblings, five, six, four, five, six, seven siblings. And then most of you only had two. Jimmy and Susie, boy and a girl, had two kids. Maybe three because the oopsie kid came along. And I hope you never tell him that, but you can joke privately between you and your husband or wife. But you never want to tell your kid they were an accident. That's just a side note. But you had two, boy and a girl, usually. And that's about another 40 million, 44 million. Same time, it was the empowerment for women, especially those that were born in the, the late 40s, early 50s, the first part of the baby boomer generation. Because by the time they got to the 60s, a lot of ladies were taught you could have a career and you don't have to have children. That is not going to fulfill you. It is you fulfilling you. It is not having a family. So many of you ladies did not have children. You didn't get married. Or if you did, you were married and or divorced or quickly decided not to have children. That's another reason why the baby boomers have less than, the, than their replacement. Okay, so that means there's about 44 million, 45 million people. Why does that matter? Because those same men and women, those baby boomers that had those children, a lot of those children that they had, the two, because mom had a job, dad had a job, were something called latchkey kids. That's my generation. Right? Remember latchkey kids? What was that? We had a shoelace with a, a key tied around our neck as a necklace, pushed down our shirt, our T-shirt. We were at the gym or, or uh, of elementary school or junior high running and playing. We just had to make sure we didn't lose that key. You walked home from school, probably had to call your mom on the phone because it's before the ring bell cameras. You'd call your mom on the phone. Hey, mom, I'm home. She said, okay, there's some lunch for you in the refrigerator. Make sure you do your homework and make sure when your sister comes home, you remember that? That's my generation. Now, I was one of the few blessed to have my mom a stay-at-home mom. She was there. I'd walk around the corner, the little brick wall. As soon as I walked on the grass and looked, the front door was open. My mom was sitting on the chair. It's a, it's a memory I'll have forever. Many of you have those. And she's reading a book and probably smoking a cigarette. And she's sitting there with the front door open and she looks, she sees me, she puts her book down, gives me a hug and usually lunch or something. Yeah, we walked home from school because usually we wanted to actually, I think by that time. But my mom, not everybody, not everybody. We had four kids out, it was rare. Many kids in, in our neighborhood were one and two. Many kids in the neighborhood in, in different areas. Now, ethnic kids, first generation, I was born first generation. Many of those first generations still had four or five kids, six, right? But how many children did we have? Now, we still didn't really replace ourselves. We're right around the 25, 40, 25 to 35 million kids. My generation, the generation called X, Generation X, right? depending on who you look and, and how you figure it out, right in the neighborhood of about 25 million kids. Why? Well, because it's all about education. That's full speed ahead. Full speed. Get your career, get your job. Oh, by the time you settle down and have a baby, you're 32 or 34, and the lady doesn't really have too many children past that day. She, she can. But it's not like you're 17, 18, 19, married, have your first child by the time you're 20 and your fourth by the time you're 25 or 26. That's a different world. 
there was the shifting away from family and shifting towards yourself. So that generation X. Well, now what happens? We start to see the millennials being born. And now you're getting 83 million highest generation. 83 million are born in those millennials. Why does that matter? Because if they can be convinced, they're still young, they're still babies, right? Millennials are still 25, 28, 30, 31, 32. They have two jobs. And instead of working two jobs like I did, they have uh, their own app. They have a hack. They do some independent coding. They do things on their own. Self-employed, which means no contribution to Social Security. They're an independent contractor. No money in a 401k plan, buying stocks, bonds, mutual funds, pushing that price up. So unless that millennial generation starts to get into the normal system of paying social security taxes, pushing up social security balances, putting money into 401k, pushing up the stock market balances. If they're going to just live and exist in a tiny home with a little electric used car or a scooter or a bike that's electric, they don't get their driver's license, some of them, until they were 20, 22 because they had to as opposed to me and you at age 16, we wanted our license day of our birthday for many of us, right? That millennial, if they are not going to put into the social security system, 83 million, if they do, we win. If they do this government, this, the, the system, the social safety net that will last at least another 50 years, probably 100 years. But if we don't have the millennials putting into the Medicare system, putting into the social security system, putting into the stock market, buying real estate as a place to live instead of living in their parents' grace, uh, basement. They have to buy investment properties, buy real estate. If they are, then there's a housing shortage. Right? Oh, wait, there is a housing shortage. Maybe they're doing that part, aren't they? But the stock market isn't at all-time highs. Social Security isn't at all-time funding. Medicare is not at all-time funding. So you're going to have the baby boomers. It's time for them to cash in their Social Security. And there's very few people on the other side putting money into the system. You have to have somebody putting money in. Some call it a Ponzi scheme. I, I, it's, that's an illegal term, so I wouldn't do it. But, but the, the nuts and bolts of a Ponzi scheme is kind of how Social Security works. The only way there's money to be taken out is because people are putting in on the front end. When you don't have people putting in on the front end, you are slowly draining that balance. And that's the danger. That's why in 2033, we're supposed to run out of money in social security to give a hundred percent to each person. We won't have that money anymore. So we got to get those millennials to start putting money into the system. There's plenty of them. Let's get them to do that. There's ways to do it. When we come back, this is the Total Financial Hour. Stay with me. Your email's after the break. I'm Eric Hallaby, 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. I did that for you. 888-99-RETIRE. Eric Hallaby. We'll be right back on AM 870 The Answer. 
Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arab Halabi. Total financial hour. It's two hours. That's why. Listen, our show is about uh, understanding you, and I love the second hour, right? You guys have been a part of it, and it's because of you and, and your response that we've created and been asked to do this second hour of the show. I think it's amazing for a couple of reasons. One, I, I try to give you the point of view of common sense, right? When masks were all the rage, and I think they're trying to get them to come back again, we try to do common sense conversations. Look, if the mask is supposed to stop the virus... Then on this side or that side is the mask uh, of the mask is the virus. I have it and you don't, or you have it and I don't. If you're telling me the mask actually does something, then I'm not allowed to touch it with my hands. It can't go in my briefcase. It can't go in my backpack. It literally has to be taken off with gloves and put into one of those red hazardous material, those big trash bags, those red burn bags, where they are incinerated at, at a thousand degrees or temperatures that, that are just amazingly high. That, that's you understand that's what's supposed to happen with viruses you're not allowed to touch them right so i tried to give you common sense things that you could have a conversation with people and make sure they understood that you're not an evil person you don't want people to get sick you don't want people to die right that it's just common sense and that's very important because the common sense that's missing in a lot of people's lives today need to be achieved by you that's why our job is to give you reliable retirement income so that you can have your money come from one side and your effort and your day's work and your job and, and the differences that you make are not related to your money. You see, right now you have to go to work. Sometimes you love it, sometimes you don't. While you're working, you're making money. Great job. Good. You're providing for you and your family. That's what's supposed to happen. But eventually you've saved up enough. You've built enough, uh, enough wealth. So that your food, your shelter, your clothing, your lifestyle is paid for by your money over off to the side. And on this side, your effort gets to do things that you're not paid a little bit or maybe not even at all. Right? I, I always say, listen, maybe you're an artist or, or you're trying to learn music. And maybe you're going to create some of the most amazing things that the world will ever see. But not if you have to eat dinner tonight. Not if you have to pay your electric bill. So you need to have a couple of sources of income. Fast forward to 2023, and what do you see? You see, human beings, yourself and me and others, has to do what? You have to stand up, make a difference. I cannot tell you how important it is for you to sit on a school board or a city council. It is extremely important for you to get involved. Yes, I'm talking to you. Many of you are thinking it's the neighbor down the street or the guy down over there or the person who has that much more money than you. 
can me or other people like me, financial professionals, and your own sources of income, whether it be Social Security or a pension, can those things provide for your food, shelter, clothing? It can? Really? Then you, you have been selected as one of the best hopes, best chances, best, best opportunities to make a difference. All right? Please consider that. Because I think for a lot of you, you forget. You forget that you have to make a difference in this earth before it's too late. I just worry. I worry a lot about good people are comfortable and it isn't until they come knocking on your door. We saw Liberty Safes, what they did this week. Liberty Safe, right? How many people have a Liberty Safe? I think it's going to end up going the way of the Bud Light. You know, you can choose to still wear Nike tennis shoes. I don't. I, th- I threw all of mine away. Oh, Eric, you already bought them. Yeah, I tried to give them away to the homeless, but they wouldn't take them because they weren't brand new. I said, yeah, but they're, but they're good shoes. You know, they're not, they're not old with holes. Nope, nope, nope. They're not brand new. Okay, then. I'm not interested in advertising walking around for, for uh, a company that thinks police are pigs that think we should defund the police when the CEO of Nike has his own security team and lives in a, in a big house protected by others. That's nice that he did that to the men and women who wear his shoes. Same thing with Bud Light. You can choose to stand up or not. What about Liberty Safes? I think that's the next thing. Next week, uh, I'm working on getting a guest on for next week. Uh, Wait and see. I think you'll hear an interesting conversation, but it's going to be our second hour of the show next week around this uh, safe debacle. We'll see what every every, uh, safe manufacturer this week, they're coming out with a statement. In the next couple of days, we'll see what they have to say. And we're going to respond with one of the top safe distributors Uh, next week we're setting up to have him on the show but now i have your emails all right this is important leah sends us an email sweet lady my heart breaks for her as many of you know uh we're dealing with something similar as my father passed away we're working on on all of those uh emotions and things that go with it right it's it's earth shattering to your life when it's your spouse and so Leah sent us an email uh, addressing her concerns. All right. Dear Arif, my husband and I were married for 54 years. He passed away seven months ago, and I am trying to figure out how to live financially each month. I am working on a budget, but I am unsure how to manage the larger annual expenses that come in about once a year. They would include things like property taxes, car insurance, and homeowners insurance. I have sufficient income coming from his pension, my pension, and social security. I'm currently 70 years old and have about 630,000 saved in my own IRA. This came from my company work retirement plan. Okay, we're going to pause there for a second. That is her her 401k most likely. All right, the 401k plan uh, that she has When you leave, you can take it with you. I'll get into that in just a second. Continuing with Leah. I just received the paperwork for my husband's IRA to transfer to me. Will I pay taxes on that this year? The paperwork seems a bit overwhelming to complete. 
His account is about $375,000. I do not need any money from these accounts right now, but I know I will need a new car in the future, in the near future. I'm not sure where to get the money for that either. Thank you, Leah. Okay, guys, here's what we have. We have Leah. She's been married for 54 years. She's 70 years old. Her husband just passed away seven months ago, which means it's this calendar year. All right, you'll see how that's important here in just a second. She has her own retirement account, about 630000 She doesn't need any money from it. Her husband has 375000 She doesn't need any money from that right now. So that is just about, that's just about a million dollars, a little more than a million dollars between the two accounts. All right. Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we would think about doing, Leah. The first, when you roll over your company 401k plan, it is a sideways move, meaning it can go from 401k to traditional IRA. If you work for a city, county, state, you have the Horizons plan or, or 457 deferred compensation. That's the same thing. It can go from that kind of a plan over to a traditional IRA. That's a sideways move. It's called a rollover. It is not a taxable event. If you took possession of the money and then wrote a check later, that's a huge mistake, not a small one. You'll pay taxes and penalties and fees. Don't do that. Okay, have it go from company to company. It's an administrative move. We do it. We have a great back office. I have a, my staff is amazing. This is what they do every day, every week. We do this all the time. So it'll go from company to company. It's a sideways move. I usually recommend you taking your money out of a company retirement plan if you are no longer there, but it will depend on your own situation, right? You will give you the information. You make up the decision that's best for you, but there's reasons, there's pros and cons to each. Here's another thing that matters a lot. The, the company that, that you work with, Leah, should be doing the paperwork for free. You should not be paying an administrative fee for anybody. We would do it for no cost. Uh, the, the releasing institution should do it for no cost. There should be no fee to take your husband's account from his account and drop it into yours or create an account together. When you are a spouse, husband and wife, and you roll over his 401k plan or his IRA into yours, you can either keep it separate, maintain an inherited IRA status, I would not recommend that because there's rules that are not in your favor. Or you can merge it. It's a husband and wife. You can change the name on it. And instead of being his plan, it now becomes yours. Again, no taxes due. Okay, husband and wife, I want that to go directly into your own account. Very important. Because now your life expectancy and your rules apply to it. Here's the other thing that, that I want you to think about. In three years, Leah, you're going to have to start withdrawing money from this account. It's called required minimum distributions. And that will apply to both your money and his money based on your age. So if you're 70 years old, by age 73, you have to begin a withdrawal from this account, from both of these accounts. Right now, that's going to be right in the neighborhood of around $40,000 a year. Just roughly, okay? That's a lot of money. A lot of money that you didn't need yesterday, but we're going to put into a tax bracket today. Well, that stinks. So I might recommend that you do take some of the money this year and do what's called a conversion. Convert it into a Roth IRA. Roth IRA. So what does that mean? 
that means you can convert it into a Roth IRA, but you're going to pay taxes now. But the year that your husband passes away, husband and wife, is the last year that you can file married filing jointly. So if he passed away this calendar year, when you file your taxes January, February next year, you get to have a very favorable tax bracket called married filing jointly. Basically, you would pay half the amount of taxes. So it might make sense to take some of this money that you have and put it into a taxable event. In other words, purposely create paying taxes on it because it's going to be the lowest it probably will ever be for the rest of your life. So up to you. You could take a hundred or two hundred thousand. Yes, you will pay taxes on it, but you'll never pay taxes again on it. And it might make sense to do that. What else might I do? I might take your husband's account and ladder it. Three hundred and seventy-five thousand. I would probably put it in in a six month and a one year and a two year CD, or maybe consider putting it in a fixed annuity, a three year, a five year, a seven year, where you're receiving much higher interest. You don't need the money. Let it sit there. Let it grow. Be accessible with the drop of a hat, right? CDs and and, uh, savings and many annuities. You just make a phone call and you can get some or part of the money out. Simple. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a form involved, but the point is within a week, it's in your bank account. Lots of accounts like that that are possible. And I like the idea of staggering out the account moving it into different... I don't want it all in the stock market, all in the bond market. You see, Wall Street's job is to make money on your money. So that means if your money is safe, in other words, you're in a money market account or you're in a fixed annuity, right? You're in a place where there isn't risk of loss, then your broker in Wall Street cannot charge a fee. You understand that, right? They're not bad people. They're business people. That's their job. So I want you to look at it and say, is there a reason to have that risk? If there is, then pay the fee and and take the risk. If there isn't, then I want you to look at it and say, who's going to win for sure out of this deal? Got it. Wall Street and my broker. So maybe that's not the right place for me to be. Who's looking out for you? All right. If you don't need this $1 million today to live on, you might in the future. And here's why. You have some income coming from Social Security. In the next 10 years, Social Security will lose its ability to pay 100%. If that occurs, you realize that if that occurs, the amount that you're receiving from Social Security will be reduced by about one-third. All right. If it is reduced by one-third, I can bet you between now and then, inflation is going to keep going up. And if inflation keeps going up and your income goes down, we are definitely going to need money from these accounts to live on and to fill the gap. All right, so I like to keep some of your powder dry, as they say, just in case inflation goes up, just in case they stop giving you pay raises in Social Security or they stop giving you uh, the full 100%. Because right now, the way it's slated, now I expect them to come up with some solution, the them being Congress and the president. I expect Congress and the president to eventually have plan B. Here's the problem. Their plan B, the longer they wait, 
It's going to be really painful. It's going to be really painful. They should have done something 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And we know that in five years, we're going to say they should have done something five years ago, today, right now. But they won't because every time the Democrats do something and the Republicans call them names, every time the Republicans want to do something, the Democrats call them names. And both of them know that what they are doing at that moment is dishonest. They have to fix the social security system. Right now it's slated to pay about one third less. So if you were receiving $2,000 a month in social security in 10 years, it's probably going to be 1400. That's very important because $600 a month is a nice car payment. It's your electric bill. It's your water bill. $600 a month is $7,000 a year. That's a really nice vacation for you and your spouse. You, you realize that. So I don't know what their plan is, but the longer they wait, the more painful it's going to be. So I'm concerned about that. All right. Next and final thing here in the, how do we set it up so that you have money for those big expenses, the annual expenses. You do it in a couple of ways. You create a secondary savings account. And it, that savings account, even if it's a savings or a CD, it can still be an IRA. It can still be pre-tax money. That means you can say, oh, don't pay. I'm not paying taxes on this. Okay, I need money for my, for my uh, car registration. I need money for my property tax. When you take that money out, it becomes a taxable event. So what I'd like you to do is to have money in that account, because today we can do it, where you're going to be earning enough interest that pays the taxes on the money. So for example, $100,000, you're going to earn 3% interest. That's $3,000. How much do you need to take out? Maybe six, 6000 to pay your property taxes this year. What do you pay in taxes out of 6000 Probably two. Well, good news. You made three from the from your interest. You see what I'm saying? So, so the balance, so your net worth doesn't go backwards. You go one step forward with interest added to the account, one step back because you have to pay taxes and you're right where you started. So that's what I would do is I would kind of, the best we can with interest rates the way they are, try to manipulate a way to create enough interest to offset the taxes so that your net worth as a, as a person and as a household doesn't go away. And that $100,000 is a machine that kicks out money each and every year. And its job is to what? Pay the taxes, insurance, etc. Now, what about the purchase of the car? Listen, a lot of you, especially baby boomers, I never borrow money on a car. I hate borrowing money on a car. Okay. I understand your feelings, but let's talk about math. For a minute. When interest rates are really low, you're crazy to pay cash because interest rates are low and you might as well borrow money and get free money at 1.9%, 0.9%, etc. For a lot of people, especially towards the end of the year, there are big sales that are going to be happening because the car manufacturers made the cars that you see today four months ago, eight months ago, they bought the steel to build the cars. They bought the plastic to build the cars a year ago. They put in their orders before interest rates are what they are. So a lot of them are like, oh, great. We're stuck with all of these cars and all the equipment and the raw materials. So let's give a discount. So 
keep your mind uh, open and your eyes open towards the end of the year. They're going to encourage you to take the cars off their hands. How they might do it? Very simple. With 0.9% or 2.9% interest, something like that. So you're going to see that pushing of automobiles. What's the case there? Maybe you just get a loan. At any moment, you can write a check and pay it off, Leah. So so it doesn't matter to me. But if you can get free money for 0.9 or 1.9, and yet the $100,000 sitting in your bank is making 3 or 4%, 3 or 4% in a, in a CD or in a fixed annuity, 3 or 4%, and it's costing you 0.9 to borrow, you win. Money comes in, pay it. Money comes in, pay it. And at the end, you end up with a car that's really nice that costs you a lot less because your interest helped offset any taxes and any interest you might have paid. It's called a laddering approach. Sometimes they use it with CD, uh, CDs. We use it with fixed annuities and CDs and savings accounts. I want you to have access to emergency money, no problem. I want you to enjoy life. This next year is going to be a big, big, sad, you know, you know, through the holidays for all of us, right? You lose somebody in the first year, it's a tough time. And we're coming up on that for both you and I. And of course, my, my mom. So I want you to make sure financially that you have somebody with you to kind of walk through these ideas. I don't want you to make any drastic decisions or big moves until six months or a year after, after you're dealing with the passing of somebody. Because we've got to make the right decision. Sometimes people will lose a loved one and then their home is for sale three months later and they're, they moved out of state. And then they inv- inevitably will call me regretting what they did and how do I get back or how do I make this adjustment or how do I fix this problem? So big, big decisions like that. <sighs> Take a deep breath, pause, give yourself some time to reflect, go through a season of holidays and birthdays and anniversaries. See what kind of decisions that you make along the way. And remember this, this calendar year, the first calendar year of losing somebody, you can file married filing jointly. Inevitably, it's right in the neighborhood of about half you're going to save on taxes. 50% tax break, I'll take that deal every day of the week. But we only have a year to do it, the first year. Okay, so make sure whatever decisions we make take into account that if you need a tax break, and you can reach out to your CPA, all of you guys, by the way, you should be doing this. I want you to meet with your tax preparer twice a year, once when you file your taxes at the beginning of the year, and once in the September, October, November timeframe, right? August, September, fine. Fine, that, that window... After they've come back, they settled in, they've filed their extensions, by and large, most of their extensions. They might still be in the middle of some of that, but the point is, the end of the year, they're usually less busy. They can give you more time. And I want you to have a conversation with them that says, hey guys, hey, what would you do if? What if I sold this? What if I bought this? What tax bracket am I going to be in if I do this? And for our clients, I want you to know, and, and most of you should have your financial professional do this as well. We'll go with you to your tax preparer conversation or be on the phone call or a Zoom meeting or a three-way call, whatever we need to do. Same thing with your tax attorney or your uh, estate planning attorney. 
right? If you have an estate planning attorney doing your living trust and you want us there, right? We do that for our clients. We'll go and sit in and if it's far away, we'll, and we can't arrange, we'll be on the phone to ask those questions, to hear what kind of he or she is given towards our side of the conversation so we can adjust to manage the way he or she would like. The attorney says, here's what I want. Great, we got it. The conversations, the jargon, right? Sometimes it's hard to understand them. That's why having us present can make a difference. Okay, so that's what you should expect from your professional. That's what we do. And I think that's a big part of the conversations you should have when it comes to making a difference in your financial life. Okay, last thing, Leah. I think, as you've heard me say before, you need purpose. You have to have something. For many of you, I don't know if your husband died uh, you know, from a long illness, if he passed away from a lingering, or if it was just overnight or real quick kind of a thing. So often, you're spending your life caring for him, and now what is the conversation, right? Now what do we do next? So I want you to know that you have to have something else that takes your time. You have to have something else that matters to you. And that's a very big change because now you're asking yourself, well, I don't know what matters to me. I don't know what what difference I'm going to make. And this is where the change comes in. So let's have purpose. It could be volunteering. It could be counseling. I'd, I'd expect you to go to a, a counselor, maybe to learn how to, to grieve properly, whatever that means, right? What Make sure you know that there, there's almost no right way to do it, right? There's no right way. Oh, you can only cry Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? That's silly. Sometimes you're in a position to be very sad for a long time and all of that's okay. All right. So you're going to go through this process. So make sure there's purpose people in your life before you make a big decision as far as selling your home or moving or relocating or something. I want you to, to let time pass. And then when it comes to your retirement accounts and the big accounts, realize this is the year that you're going to get one chance to get 50% off on your taxes. You're going to meet with your CPA or your tax preparer. I don't want you to let this window of time pass by. Find out what you need to do or what you can do to make that difference, right? To make that time frame happen where you're not going to lose money on taxes. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay with me for the next part of the uh, email. This one I was talking about is somebody in their 50s. Now, why does that matter? Because it is never too late to make some adjustments to make sure you can still retire. Remember, big changes are coming over the next decade. And if you're accounting on one source of income, like your pension or Social Security, I'm telling you, there isn't enough money. It cannot happen. Right? The state of California, the state, the county, there isn't enough money. It doesn't matter what they say. One plus one is two. How do you fix it? Stay with me. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. 888-997-3847-888-99. Retire. Stay with me after the break. I'll be right back. Make your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour.
financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arab Halabi, the total financial hour. Hey, we're talking about your emails. Let me give you this, uh, our email address. It's Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. So Arif, A-R-I-F, at T as in Tom, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, Wealth.com. So Arif at TFSWealth.com. Send your emails, your questions. We get them a lot. I appreciate you guys reaching out and kind of giving us your points of view and things that I that to cover. Every once in a while, I'll bring them on the air from, I'll bring on the air an older one only because I'm thinking, well, you know, we're not really talking about that or it's not a big issue. And then when I start to see more and more conversations about that, whether it's in my office or on the phone or, or emails, then I go, oh, you know what, this is going to impact a widespread group of people. So instead of just sending you an email back, I'll often do that as well as cover it on the air. So I appreciate that. All right. This is one of those because it's a little bit a little bit older, a few few weeks back, and I think you need to understand there are a lot of people in this situation. All right, just a lot of people, and for a lot of reasons. One of those specifically is that many of you in your fifties, forties, and fifties, and probably early sixties, but forties and and fifties, promised your children they could go to college, and you got it. Right from the day they're born, you're going to college. It's not even an option. They don't even know when they're four, five, seven, eight, nine years old that that's even an option, that they can say no. They just think it's the 13th grade. Many of you, right? Because that's what you did. That's what your parents did. That's what you call normal. You expect that to happen. You call that the way it's supposed to be. You've heard me mention Robert Kiyosaki's theory, which is A students work for C students and B students work for the government. Right? A, A students work for C students and B students work for the government, you might think, well, that's kind of crude. Not really, because C students are pretty good with people, but they have no clue how to manage a business. So what they end up doing along the way is simple. They just go and hire people, right? They hire the best. They hire the A students. They hire the person who's an expert. And it's people like you and I that might understand people. And you say, listen, I understand people. But technology, give me the A student who's an IT expert. Give me the A student who's a marketing expert. I need the A student who understands accounting. Right? So a lot of small business owners who understand people in the big picture will hire people that are pigeonholed into their expertise. So be careful if you're trying to teach your kids to pigeonhole themselves in their expertise because that's what school does. I've got an a bachelor's in this with a master's in that and a PhD and especially with a subspecialty of this. That means you're so good at so narrow, so tiny, tiny, tiny. This is what I'm great at. Well, really? Well, no, I just studied it. I haven't done anything in the field. I don't really talk to people. I've been on computers and in labs and in textbooks for the last five years. So I want you to consider allowing your children to branch out to become better people, not better video game players or people who bury their heads in their phone. How many times do you go out to dinner and you see parents 
with kids, with their heads stuffed in their phones. All of them are overweight. None of them are, are paying attention to each other or their questions or their needs. I'm not sure the listen, all of us can fall victim to walking around with our cell phones and burying our heads in it. In fact, they encourage you to. That's how they measure your steps. Oh, keep the phone next to you. Keep the watch next to you. Keep the watch on. Put the phone in your pocket. Measure your steps, your heart rate. You could barely survive if this phone isn't next to you. Right? All the marketing, all the, the policies and procedures, they're they're teaching your children that but for that phone, they probably couldn't exist. Now, something fascinating, I was speaking to a young lady yesterday. I think she's in her late 20s. And she's a little on the hip side. You know, all of us have our own problems. Uh, I always look at people with uh, with problems. You, you know, I have a sense of, what's the right word? Uh, I guess a sense of empathy. And how it manifests itself is a lot of tattoos or body piercings, right? Where they... Maybe I'm wrong on this. Some of you might correct me, but I've never seen it to not be right where they purposely will damage their body with body piercings and ear piercings and tongue. And you go, wait a second. I get it. You've got issues, but why are you punishing yourself? Right? Your parents might've been jerks or this, your ex-boyfriend was, you know, was abusive. I get it. But in the end of the story, you're hurting yourself. So anyway, I, this person had some issues and, uh, but I was talking to her and here's what was fascinating. She said, you know, Arif, uh, I had my phone stolen at a bar a couple weeks ago and I couldn't afford to replace it until my next paycheck. So I drove around to work for a week without a phone. And she said it was one of the most relaxing, stress-free weeks of her life. And I thought, are you kidding me? She said, no, I listen to the radio. I never listen to the radio. I listen to podcasts and Spotify and, and Pandora and all those. But here I listen to the radio. I listen to, uh, I, I called my friends from the landline when I got to work or when I got home. But other than that, I drove and it was peaceful. She says, you know, I went to the restroom without my phone. It was amazing. I had no distractions. So what do I encourage you to do as you have young children or grandchildren? Uh, you have to be pretty hard-lined on it, right? The phones go here. Phones do this. Now, if they're adults and they're in their 30s, they're going to, oh, forget you. You don't understand. Okay, it, it might be a battle not worth fighting. But you do have to understand that young people are going to end up going through this. So be careful if you're running around, right? Be careful if you're running around being those people that are... are uh, What's the right word? Uh, distracted, irrelevant, right? There's a lot of people who think the world revolves around them. Let's take a look at an email from somebody in their mid-50s because I think this is going to impact some of you. Ready? Dear Arif, my wife and I are both in our mid-50s with two kids. Both of our kids have finished college and do not have any student loans. However, we want to help them financially along the way in the next year or two as they get settled in their new life. So we want to keep some money set aside for them, about 100000 Since we sold a rental property that we inherited, we feel like the money, 220000 some of it at least, is meant for them and for their future. I do have two old 401ks from my previous jobs that I need to do something with. 
for our future retirement income. The total of those old accounts is $477,000. I have a current account 401k plan that I am receiving a matching of 6%. That account is new and has $65,000. My wife has a plan that she is also receiving a match of 8%. That balance is $390,000. My goal for us is to have $10,000 per month in monthly income 10 years from now. We both expect to have Social Security checks of about $6,000 per month. Should we continue to add money to our 401k plans? Okay. So you see how his his kids are in their mid-50s, no student loan debt, and he still wants to help them. All of that is wonderful. I like that idea as, as a parent. But ask yourself this. Giving their money, giving them money when they're in their 20s, is that the same as letting them disrespect the family time at the dinner table with a phone? Now, before you say, well, that doesn't seem to make sense, Eric. Is there a connection? Yes, there is. Because what are you doing to create intricate family connections? Is it a one-way street? If you tell me, hey, my kids are coming over and helping take care of their grandma. Uh, my daughter is uh, working on a project at the house, helping us repair something. Got it. Is it a one-way street? Are you providing a dinner and the kids sit there and only take, 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 eat, eat, eat? No interaction, no social interaction at the dinner table? Uh, are, are you providing a place where your kids in their 20s are receiving, receiving, getting, getting, but not giving back to the family? You see, inside what you're doing is you're telling the kids there is no value to them, uh, to the family. In other words, they don't have a need to have the family need them. The, the kids want from you, but what do they have to offer? If you're telling them they have nothing to offer, there's no value to them in the family, guess where they're going to try to get that endorphins, that, that, uh, that dopamine hit? Yeah, a video game on their cell phone. Uh, social media connections from phony people. So I'm sharing with this, this with you because it's deeper than just give, give, give. You should require something back from them. Okay? Very important. I don't mind that you want to set aside money for them. I think that's fine. But you guys are in your mid-50s. You have about 15, maybe 20 years of work left. I want to set some of the money aside in your retirement accounts. Those are important. I'll explain matching in just a second. But what struck me the most is when I started seeing at dinner tables, and you've seen it, kids on their cell phones, one-way street. Dad opens the door for everybody, one-way street. Make your son work for the family. Opens the door for your mom. Respects your daughters, his sisters. The girls help take care of, open the door. Maybe they help care for the little child in the family. Maybe they help care for mom or grandmother. Every Sunday we go over for four hours. We do our dishes. We help clean the laundry. Make sure they have value. When my dad owned a farm, uh, part owner of 40 acres, maybe he owned the whole thing. I don't remember the details. I'm a teenager, 15, 16 years old, growing up in the San Fernando Valley. My parents owned a farm up in the Central Valley, up in uh, by Bakersfield in that area. I remember it to be 40 acres, and it was lettuce, romaine lettuce. How do I know this? Because 
for a couple of days on the weekend and for a couple of weekends, we had to plant these lettuce. So we had the little seedlings, maybe four inches tall. And each one of us kids had a row. I don't know how long it was. It seemed like maybe five or 600 feet. Long, long row. And every so often was the, were these uh, pallets, these little mini pallets, right, of, of the, the seedlings. And we'd have to walk. Put, somebody went by and put a stick in. That was usually my dad or the adults. They would go put a stick, make a hole. We would come behind, put one of the seedlings in, use our other fingers to close the hole. Next, every so often, however far apart. That's what we did. Because there weren't other people to do the work? No, of course there was. But we had value to the family. You guys will joke, oh, it's free labor, child labor, slave labor. Got it. Uh, my parents bought me shoes, provided electricity, a bedroom, right? So it's not a one-way street. It's This is what you can contribute to the family based on your age, your skill, your knowledge, your physical abilities. So here's what you will do. That's why kids that grow up on family farms, the the level of suicide with young people that grow up on family farms that do work on ranches, et cetera, it's almost nil, because their self-worth, they know there are animals, other things, other live things that are counting on them right now. You understand that? You might be, my kids are blessed. They don't even know how blessed they are, right? But guess what? They have to give. They have to give. Every year they have to give of their own effort. They have to show up. They have to volunteer. They have to make a difference. That's very important, guys. Don't take that away. Fine, if you're blessed to pay for your child's college, we were. Um, my wife and I, she had some great help from her parents. Uh, I had to work three jobs. It doesn't matter. Here's why it matters. All right, here's what we do. This is Ray and Diana. Okay, Ray and Diana, you guys are both in your 50s, two kids. They finished college, no student loans, great job. Uh, one way or the other, but if they work, here's how I want you to help them. You set aside money for them, 100000 maybe 50 each, great. Hey, kids, we're going to have a second uh, a joint bank account. And in this joint bank account, you're going to work and put money in it. Every time you do, once a quarter, I'm going to look at the balance of deposits. You deposited $1,000 this quarter, I will deposit $1,000 this quarter. Dad, I'm trying to buy a house. No problem. You put money down for a down payment and I'll put money down for a down payment. Dad, I want to go to Europe. You put half and I'll put half. You see what I'm saying? That, therefore, the effort, because internally there's a cheapness that happens with the things that you're giving them. Why do you think rich kids crash fancy sports cars? Right? In, in Santa Clarita, there was a gentleman who owned a gas station and his son was not a... a a healthy looking guy. He was way overweight, not well kept, always smelled, but his dad was wealthy. And this kid had nice cars. All the time would crash these cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Corvettes, always crashing a car. Do you think he had any respect for the money that it took to raise that car? Or do you think the guilt money from his dad working his tail off to provide for the family, do you think the guilt money is what the kid was spending? You don't have to have a perfect family. Not too many people do. It just doesn't exist, really. 
but match. Match what they put in so the effort is there. All right, another thing. I get it, you guys sold a rental property. I like that. Make sure you set aside any money in case there's a, uh, a taxable event. You gotta make sure that that is dealt with ahead of time. Meet with your CPA. I don't want you to spend money that you're gonna have to ultimately uh, pay taxes on until we know what that dollar is. All right, total of the accounts is 477000 Here's where I think this is important. If the old accounts are 477, let's pull those off to the side. All right, let's get those out of the risk, out of the fees. Let's get a consistent amount and let's create your own mini pension. That is what I love because that mini pension, I can get five or $6,000 out of that 477000 in 10, 12 years. I can turn that into five, 6000 a month maybe more, forever. I want you to keep putting into your current 401k. You see, well, here's what a matching is. An employer puts money in, but only if you participate. So you put money in, they put money in. For every $100 you put in, they'll put in $6 if it's a 6% match. And there's different formulas. There's 50% of the first 6% and on and on. There's different formulas. Whatever that big number is, I want you to put that number in. They put in 50% of six, you put in six. What would I really like you to do? No less than 10%. Everybody, brand new job, air if we're struggling, 10%. You make $1,000 a week, you put in $100 a week. You do that. They'll give you matching. You stay in a very inexpensive mutual fund, right? Uh, the S&P 500, whatever your financial professional lays out and says, what is the least expensive that is part of your company 401k plan? Ready for this? When you dollar cost average, you can get a pretty darn good rate of return, especially when they are matching because that is free money. Take it. Take my free money all day long. But here's the bad news. I want you to keep putting into your 401k plans and you're going to keep because your employees adding to social security, no problem. But I do not expect Social Security to be there in the same form or fashion when you guys are ready to retire. It's just not going to be there the same. Right? It's not to scare people. Oh, you're trying to scare me. Scare me. No. It's not me. It's Congress. It's not me. It's the president. Both parties. Both people. Right? The far left and the far right. You might ask yourself, who are they? Well, right now, the only one who has any common sense, and, and forgive me if you, are, if you hate this man, but the only one who has any common sense in how to fix the system, believe it or not, is Donald Trump. I love Ron DeSantis. I'll vote for any Republican or any conservative, period. But when you have the, the rhinos, right, the Republicans in name only, rhinos, like Chris Christie, well, he, he's irrelevant. Who else do I think has a chance to fix the system? Larry Elder. I just do. Common sense, not part of that corrupt organization called Washington, D.C. I'd love to see a Trump elder ticket. That, that would be amazing. You know, and here's what whoever the president is, whoever on a conservative side, day one, they need to hit the ground running, fire people, close agencies. You don't tell anybody you're going to do this between the election and January when, you, when you're inaugurated, you don't. You don't say anything. You have your team of people that understand what they're supposed to do. And you say, listen, 
your family's wealth is not going to happen being an employee of the federal government. I'm just sorry. It doesn't. We have five agencies doing the same job. We're going to get rid of three of them. We don't need them all. But what happens is this. You realize those federal agencies, all of those state county employees, they don't put into Social Security. So the more we hire on the federal side, the less money is going into Social Security. The more we hire in the state agencies, the less going in to Social Security. The more we hire in the, you see what I'm saying? LA City, LA County, State of California, Orange County, San Bernardino, no contribution for those state employees city, county, federal, into Social Security. So here's what happens. They say, oh, we have unemployment is at all-time lows. Well, they're counting those people that, that get jobs. Look, I love my teachers. I love my employees for the city, county. Oh, Eric, you don't understand. You are mean. Look, math does not have feelings. One plus one is two. If you guys are working for a job and they're going to give you a matching, take it. Take it. The old money that's sitting there, get it out of there. The amount of fees you're paying, five, $600 a month. Uh, yeah, by the way, that's how much you guys are paying. $477,000 in the account. You're probably paying $500 a month in fees. So let's get that out of there. And here's what we do. Because you think a big part of that 10000 a month is going to be Social Security. I need to do a plan B. So I would build on our end to make sure you have enough money to replace that just in case if I'm right and they don't solve social security until the last minute and they hurt people and they take your money. Guess what guys, you're going to be fine because we counted on it today. 10 years later, we put it together. We have a system in place called fixed or fixed indexed annuities. Not everybody all the time should put all of their money. No, no, no. But if it's money that has a job to do, guaranteed 10 years from now, great. We have accounts. They could pay anywhere from 20 to 40% in bonus. Let me back up. You realize how you're getting a matching from your contribution at your job. You realize that you can get a bonus, which means the insurance companies add money to the accounts, 7, 10, 20, even 40% added to the account on your old uh 401k plans. So you're getting all the free money plus whatever interest you're going to earn going forward. So you have many different ways to add and to uh, chunk these monies, these dollars to get up that 477. I'd love to see that up to a million, million and a half before you retire between that and your, your existing 401ks. Normally I would take some of your 401k money and, and transfer it into your existing one. Why? Because you can use your 401ks, and this is worst case scenario, guys. You can use your 401k if you need it for a loan, for emergency money. I don't want you to do that, but you could if you have to. 50% of it, you could use 50000 But you guys have the money from the sale of the, of the rental property, and you have your wife's 401k. You have plenty of funds. We, we don't need to do that. Instead, let's start building that extra cushion. And by doing it, by getting the match, by getting the extra, I think you're going to be fine. Now my biggest concern is make sure your children 
are ones that realize they have value because those things manifest themselves different. I have people come to my office in such a way where the, the, the child I, I've mentioned before, where he stands up and yells at his mom, give me my money now. And she goes, but son, I might need it. This is in my office. I thought, wow, is this not a narcissistic man? And the only way to do it is to remember, raise your children right now so they have to give something back, whatever their capabilities are, to the family. Don't just give them money for being lucky and born into your family. All right, guys, thanks for being part of the show. Arif, A-R-I-F, A-R-I-F at TFSWealth.com. That's our email. And 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Arif Hallaby. You have a blessed week. We'll see you next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.